living our lives to please God. That's our focus today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Well, whether we realize it or not, we are an example to others. The only question is, is it a good or bad example? Today on Abounding Grace, we head back to 1 Peter chapter 4, where the emphasis is on living a life to please God. This can't be accomplished in our own strength, but rather as we abide in Christ and live by the Spirit. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor to take it from there. Remember Jesus. Keep your eyes on Him. Saturate yourself with His mind so that now as you are living for Christ, he says in verse two, you're not gonna live for sin and the lusts of men. Notice verse three. And this is so important. I, man, I remember when this verse jumped off the page. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of Gentiles when we walked in licentiousness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. For some of you, this is absolutely the description of your life before Christ. You were a partier, you were a drunkard, you were idolatrous, you were causing problems, you know, you were into all kinds of nasty sexual sin, you viewed women or men as objects, you were in, like this is, like, like so many of us spent enough of our past living like this. And it's like Peter's, going, Peter's saying to that group that's suffering, because suffering puts you, again, in a vulnerable place. Vulnerability leaves you open to temptation. And in a weak moment, boom, once you take the temptation, you're in. And it's almost like you were living in the past. It's almost like you were living like you never got saved. It's almost like you're like, you know, well, this is the way to go. And this is the way to go. And, and you know, it's, it starts with one little decision, then another one, then another one. Before you know it, you're living like you weren't saved at all. And Peter says, you've done enough. What is it about your life today that you don't remember where you came from? That you don't remember where you came from. And now notice, you've got the pressure in verse 4. As we were talking about examples, he said, In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. And now they speak evil of you. There's always the invitation to go back, isn't there? There's always the invitation to go back. Now you have a whole new set of challenges because there were people you used to sin with that still want to sin with you. <laughs> there were people that you used to hang out with at the parties, at the lewdness, with the love. Could have been people you worked with. Maybe you moved on to another job, but they still got your number. People you went to school with, an old neighbor perhaps that you hung out in the garage together. And now your life, having been redeemed and invested in the things of God, is a conviction to those who are still wasting their lives. I have been to a few high school reunions. And it's amazing how much things don't change. It's amazing to hear the stories, even of 
some that weren't at the reunion because their sin led to an early death, an untimely death, a drunk driving accident, or uh, a whole host of things. Uh, it's interesting when I go back to our reunions that every opportunity that somebody has to remind me of my past, they're always there. But at the same time, I also have an opportunity to remind them of my future and what God has done in my life. But I can't get away from my past. It's always going to be with me. But Peter says it's a good thing because you can look back at and remember that you spent enough of your life doing this. You spent too much of your life doing this. It was a waste. You ruined yourself and others. And so people are upset. They think it's strange. They start speaking evil of you. They think you're from another planet that, you know, next to, next to the word strange there, you could write next to it foreign or alien. They say you're from another planet. What happened to you? Well, what's going on in your life? They just don't understand you and you puzzle them. You might get an invitation. Hey, you want to go to a party tonight? And you go, no, I'm going to go to Bible study. Bible study? You're not into that, are you? Hey, man, let's catch that, that, that new movie that's out, you know, and all the stuff that's in it. And you're like, no, no, I have a home fellowship. I, get to, I go to someone's house and we talk about God. What? You do what? They might start to accuse you, attack you. And if none of that works, they'll start calling you names. And anytime I come back to this text, I just remember working, going to my car after work, walking through the little parking lot to my car. And one of the guys I used to party with at work, came and saw me carrying my Bible. And he said, oh, Bible boy. And it was like being in high school. He knocked the Bible out of my hands. I was so mad. Man, I almost lost my salvation right there in that parking lot, man. I was so mad at him. I was a new believer. I was so excited. But man, he was, he was so, oh, just thinking about it, because I have a visual memory. So just, I remember like it was yesterday. Bible boy and man. But not even that. Just picked up my Bible, got my car, and went home. They have, they're going to pull out everything that they can because you're a, you're a conviction to their life. You don't mean to be. You're not going around saying, sinner, 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 sinner. You know, I wasn't walking in my car. Hey, sinner boy, you know, how are you doing, Bible boy? It wasn't that kind of conversation. But it was your life. I mean, this is a guy that I hung out with in Vegas not even a year earlier. And things changed in my life dramatically. Very obviously. Peter describes this journey, you know, because the, the temptation is they're just trying to pull you back into the world. And Peter describes this pretty dramatically. We're going to get to it when we get to Second Peter, but I want to show it to you now. I want to give you a, a heads up of what it's like, especially those listening right now would be considered going back to the party scene, going back to the nightclubs, going back to the sexual escapades of different people, going back to the bottle, going back, going back to all these things and more. This is what the Bible says, chapter 2 of Second Peter, verse 21. It says, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow having washed to her own wallowing in the mire. One of the most disgusting things that I've ever seen is a dog eating its vomit. Many years ago, we had a dog. Her name was Molly. Great dog. 
We loved her. She loved us. But she wasn't the sharpest knife on the block. And she had fun. She could catch mice and things like that, but she couldn't bring a ball back. And there'd be times where she would just, we'd let her go off leash, you know, most of the time she'd be, but there'd be the time she'd just take off. And I'm like, well, you know, Maria's like, whatever, let her go. And then she'd always come back. And Molly, we loved her so much. And she ate her vomit more than I would want to tell you. I mean, we would get her nice food. We'd put it all like, it's not like we were mean to her. But she would eat her vomit. She'd go outside. She'd vomit. She'd come back in. And she'd go back out. And she'd rah, 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 rah. like, what is your problem? What are you thinking? You know, she wasn't saved most of her life. I shared the gospel with her later in life. <laughs> She came to, it just didn't make any sense. I, I remember, I would, it's like, what is your problem? What is so tasty about your vomit? And then it reminded me, although I didn't go in my own life to this extreme, I remember on more than one occasion waking up in my own vomit, having it there on the pillow, maybe on the side of the road, and having to start thinking about what happened last night. What happened? Why did I get people so angry that they dropped me off on the side of the road and didn't take me all the way home? It was only another couple blocks, so I must have really ticked them off. My friends, so-called. But also my behavior. So it is when our old friends want to stumble us and, and want to take you back into your past life. You need to look them in the eye and say, hey, look, man, I'm not going back to eat my own vomit. And that probably will say, what are you talking about? And you could say very kindly, well, I learned something in the Bible about going back with you. Like the Bible already warned me. He already told me about this was going to happen. They told me you were going to come. Oh, where's my name? No, no, your name's not in the Bible. But this behavior is. You see, God loves me so much that he predicted. Like it doesn't have to be an argument with your friends. You can, you can carefully come alongside them just planting seeds of, and you can open up right here in Second Peter and say, look, this is what the Bible says. If I go back with you, then the Bible says that I'll be eating my vomit like a dog. You don't want me to eat my vomit like a dog, do you? And you know their response, depending on what your friends are. It could be a thousand different things, but any response is a good response. You've shared the word with them. You've given them the authority of why you do things. And if they say, wow, that's, that's weird, man. What else is in the Bible? Give them a couple more weird things. <laughs> Show them that the Bible speaks to their life. Because what's weird to them, after they're born again, ah, now I get it. Because they can't understand the depth of it because they're not born again. So that you're, as you're sowing the seeds, God's going to activate the word of God in their lives and bring them to a place of decision. And maybe you just need to remember now yourself, if you go back, Christian, to your sin, if you go back to that which held you in bondage, if you go back to that behavior, this is what you become. Like an animal who's fed so well and taking such good care of. I think back to Molly. Molly had it made. She didn't pay rent. She didn't have a curfew. She was taken care of. She was cleaned and brushed and spoiled like you. She had a great. She had everything that a dog could want. And yet there were those episodes where she forsook it all. And you know what happened? It's a vicious cycle. 
She ate the vomit. What'd she do next? Vomit. And believers, I watch it happen all the time. And then somebody, God allows somebody into your life to beg with you and plead with you and you get mad at them. You hear a Bible study, even tonight, the Holy Spirit using it, you get mad at me. But God doesn't want you to live on that level. He doesn't, that, there's so much more available to you. There's so much more in the Spirit. Your old friends, you know, there's a decision you need to make because I, there's a caution and an encouragement here. You know, you're not hanging out with them. You're not partying with them. Look at verse 5. They'll give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They're going to give account. I want you to take heart to that because they're going to give account. And if you have any influence in their lives, you can be a part of their giving account to God. So I want to caution you and encourage you at the same time. Number one, if you're in a more weakened state, be careful of the people you used to hang around with. Be very careful and cautious. You want to... It doesn't mean you just need to go out and, you know, you know where they're at tonight partying, so you're just going to show up and share the gospel with them. That's probably not the wisest thing to do. And if you're struggling with alcohol, drugs, you know, that they're at the bar tonight, it's probably not wise to head out to the bar tonight. It's not, there's a caution. You want to be careful. However, you don't want to abandon your old friends. They're your mission field. You don't want to just give up on all your old friends. God allowed them into your life. So you now can approach your friends from a place of strength, not weakness. And you want to follow through with what Jesus said to go into all the world. And your friends are probably more reachable for you than they will be for me because they know you, you have a history with them. You may just be the tool that God uses to reach them. So yeah, don't run with them, right? You, it says right here, you don't, they think it's strange you don't run with them anymore, but also at the same time, they're going to give account. So if they're going to give account, let's take serious the opportunities that God places before us to share the gospel. Remember, I had mentioned to you the 10-year reunion uh, of my high school, which was a long, long time ago, but there was one, a 10-year reunion, and they had found out that I was a Christian and I'm going to be a pastor, and so what do they do? They uh, asked me, speech, 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 speech. You bet I'll give you a speech. Where's the microphone? And that's exactly what I did. I gave them the gospel, very forthrightly, very clearly. I didn't give an altar call. But I certainly gave the gospel there, you know, 10 years earlier, I'm getting kicked out of high school. And now 10 years later, I'm inviting people to heaven and reminding them of their sins. And what I found out that before, before that opportunity to share, uh, that we, there wasn't a lot of talk about Christianity on the floor, you know, let's talk about the past. Remember this, remember this, a lot of people getting drunk and such. Uh, but after that, all kinds of people came up and started saying, thank you. I'm a Christian too. Thank you. They were all kind of hidden and quiet. And then from that opportunity to use the microphone, conversations started changing at that reunion. And people started sharing. And it just gave that sense of, hey, I didn't know you were saved. And now, now I am. Yeah, I'm just as surprised as you are. Trust me. <laughs> it's shocking that God would love me so much that he would be gracious to me all the way to the very end. So you don't want to abandon your friends, but you also want to be very careful with them. And that's why I believe Jesus sends people out two by two. So if you do go, you, going two by two is a great thing, that, a model of Jesus, that if things do get sketchy or dangerous, you've got a strong believer with you to pull you out. And you can do it together and be encouraged together and be strengthened together. And just remember this too. The reason I'm here today is because an old friend of mine that got saved took these words to heart. He was both cautious, 
but he was also bold with the gospel in my life. And he was bold in a way that very few people would be because he knew me. We grew up together. And our relationship dates back to playing baseball together as eight-year-olds, not having any idea what the future might hold for us, that those kids playing baseball at eight would do a lot of bad things for probably eight-plus years later on in life, and then my friend gets saved, and then he finds as many people as he can to tell about. I'm glad he didn't abandon me. I'm glad he didn't just say, oh, no, 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 that guy's too bad. You know, it'll mess up my marriage. It'll mess up. No, because he came with boldness, and he came in the strength of the Lord, and you can too. And then notice in verse 6, he says, For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. One of those passages, it's not as complicated as it sounds because we've already dealt with some of the things that Jesus did in preaching to the spirits that had died. But I believe here in verse 6, you have an example of preaching to those that are dead in Christ. Preaching the gospel to your friends, the context of your old friendships and the people you used to hang with. Peter's teaching us now and the believers then that the gospel is good news and needs to be shared with a lost and dying world. And so because of this, these old relationships, the gospel is still being preached because they're going to give account. Listen, they're going to give account and you're going to give account for your life. You're going to give account for the life that God has given to you. What have you done with my son, Jesus? How have you dealt with the sinful mistakes of your life? It's important for us to preach the gospel to those that are spiritually dead. Because Jesus has a life of freedom and peace and forgiveness. Jesus wants to deliver you from licentiousness. He wants to deliver you from a life of lust. He wants to deliver you from your drunkenness and your wild parties. That's what revelry means. And your drinking parties and your abominable idolatries. He wants you to be strange, but in a good way to those that have lived these kind of lives and those that have been with you. He wants you to, see, he wants you to be on display as what? An example to follow. He doesn't want us to be an example to avoid. He doesn't want us to be like Paul. Note those guys who are enemies of the cross. It's God's desire for us to be examples to follow, to mimic, so that you can look someone. I just want you to pray that. I want you to pray that as we head out. I want you to pray that God would enable you to tell somebody, look them in the eye, and say, I want you to follow me as an example of following Jesus Christ. Those are powerful words. That would put upon you such a great weight of responsibility. Listen, not to be a good example, because that puts all the weight on you. Do you know what it does? It puts a weight on you to abide in Christ and to trust him with your life. It's not going to cause you to look at all your little behaviors. That would be the wrong way to handle it. Well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't, people are watching. People are already watching. So you're an example the, right now. The only difference, you're either a good one or a bad one, but you already are an example. So it's not to, to develop all this list of rules and, oh, everybody's watching me. I'm so nervous. I'm, no, no, everybody's watching you already. But rather it says, you know what, Lord? I, I think too highly of myself. I think I'm a 10. Or I think too lowly of myself. I think I'm minus 10 right now in my walk with the Lord. God, would you just bring me back to basics? I want to come back to zero where you are everything. You are my everything. And my life is found in you. And my strength is found in you. 
and my obedience comes from you. And my love for the unlovely comes from you. And my victory over sin comes from you. That's my victory. It's not because I put something on my phone. And it's not because I have an accountability partner. And it's not because, no, it's because of the faithfulness of God. Hey, use whatever you need to do around you. I know I'm not against that. But don't think that's the reason. Don't give credit to the methods. Give credit to the God of the methods. It's his strength. And it's his power. And it's the newness of life that comes from him. When you come back to zero, you just remember. You could not gain victory over sin on your own. It must be a work of God. And it's still that way today. And it's such a neat thing that God would deliver us out to send us back in, living a life that pleases Him. Hey, thanks for joining us for this, our midweek edition of Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher, and today he highlighted 1 Peter chapter 4 in his message titled, Living Our Lives to Please God. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Well, Pastor Ed, as you were encouraging us to preach the gospel to our friends and family today, can you think of any resources or tools that might help our listeners in that endeavor? I think it's safe to say many people struggle in this area and might feel like they just don't know how to do it. You know, Larry, that, that is a, an area where you're right. Many people struggle. Uh, they think that they don't know how to do it. Um, and, and it's awkward. You know, we can talk about our hobbies and we can talk about football and baseball and we can talk about work, but it is an awkward thing to talk about the things of God. But I like to share with the church here that it's only awkward until it's not. And, you know, you step into it, you, you step into what opportunities the Lord has for you and you begin to talk about things. Let me give you a recommendation. It's super simple. We use it as a, as a tool when we're equipping people in evangelism. It's a book by William Fay. F-A-Y, share Jesus without fear. Share Jesus without fear. It's available on our website, calvaryco.store. And it's a very simple introduction, helpful tools on how, how to face your fears when it comes to evangelism, step through it, and open up yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit and allow him to use you. Now, the question is an interesting one. Can you think of any resources or tools? And I don't want to be too simplistic here, um, but if you read your Bible and pray every day, the Lord will lead you into other people's lives. I believe it, especially if part of your prayer is, I'm going to work today, I'm going to the market today, I'm going to church today, I'm, I'm out and about, Lord, lead me and guide me by your Spirit. Give me the words to say, going to the company party, uh, going to a baseball game, lead me, Lord, to use the words that you want to give me for the people in front of me. Reading your Bible, praying, that book by William Fay, of course, the ministries of uh, Pastor Greg Laurie at Harvest.Church, very helpful resources there as well. Um, but man, just the desire, the Holy Spirit will meet you right there. That's very helpful. Thanks again, Ed. Maybe you're looking for a good book to go through as we begin a new year. Well, here in the month of January, we picked out an excellent one written by Lee Strobel. It's The Case for Heaven. We all want to know what awaits us on the other side of death. Do we just cease to exist, as some suggest, or reincarnate? Is there a heaven and hell? 
Much like a journalist, author Lee Strobel interviews experts about the evidence for the afterlife. You'll receive answers to your questions about what happens after we die. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for The Case for Heaven, our number 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we begin another year of delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Peter. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.